And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Well, this weekend didn't exactly go to plan, did it? An underwhelming performance against Spurs left a fair few of us really pissed off on Saturday night, but it's a good job the title race is over, right? Right? Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, I just thought we'd start, Sam, uh, with a question this week from uh, EJ David on Twitter, uh, who's, uh, who messaged me uh, this morning to say, uh, hey, David, not a question this week, uh, but if you and Sam can talk about the weather or your favourite films for 45 minutes, that'd be gravy. Cheers. So, uh, favourite film? Uh, can we talk about the weather instead? I'm really, <laughs> I'm one of these really shit cultural people. Like, I watch films and stuff, but I've, I've never really had a favourite film. Oh, and if someone asks me, like, favourite song or favourite album, I'm like, well, it depends what mood I'm in. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm driving to the game. I'll listen to The Smiths. Sometimes I'm, I'll listen to Kanye. You know, it's sometimes I listen to Dua Lipa. You know, it's just like completely dependent on what mood I'm in. Ah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, this weather we're having though, eh? Insane. I've moved room because uh, you could hear the wind in the other room. Yeah, genuinely. Do you remember when there wasn't a storm? <laughs> no. Like, was, no. Like there's like the neighbors like they got a little playhouse for their kid. That's been like fully blown out. I, I appreciate there'll be people in America listening to this thinking. What are you talking like, about? That yeah. is a, a strong breeze. But like, yeah, there's like trampolines upturned and in other people's gardens and stuff like that. So, when will I it mean, end? I'm more than when happy will to carry on talking about other things. <laughs> yeah, no, we should we should uh, we should dive into what happened we'll on, about the boxing. Uh, oh. on on Saturday. Um yeah, quite. Uh, well, we might come to that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about City in a second. Uh, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, then you can read all of our articles on City as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash pod. Right now, you can sign up for a special price of just £1 a month for six months. So uh, go and have a look at theathletic.com forward slash pod if you want to take advantage of that offer. Um, we're, obviously, we're talking Spurs this week, Sam. Um, I wanted to start this week's show just with a little bit of context to City versus Spurs, because um, I know you're not a City fan, but you've been kind of immersed in the City world for, for quite some time now. Um, but you might still not be aware of everything between City and Spurs. I mean, I'm, I am a City fan and I'm not sure I'm aware of everything between City and Spurs, mm. but like, here's, here's what I've got. Um, we kind of go back, like the, the earliest I remember um, that the whole kind of in inverted commas rivalry, because I do think it's very one-sided. I don't think Spurs feel this way about City. I think it's very much City feeling this way about Spurs. Um, but I just remember my mum and dad being really, really kind of, uh, oh, I, I properly hate Spurs. And I think, it, I think it all starts for them back at the 81 Cup final. FA Cup final, massive um, heartbreak with the replay that uh, is won by that Ricky Villa goal. Um, you then move forward through the 80s into the 90s and, and you get to kind of 93 where there's a, a, an FA Cup six-round tie at Main Road. 
it feels like City are going to put an end to their trophy drought. They've been, you know, it's been almost twenty years by this point. Um, Spurs rock up and it, and it ends four two to Spurs at Main Road, and it ends with police horses on the pitch and a pitch invasion and just not pretty scenes. Um, then for me, the earliest kind of memory I have is uh, going back to two thousand and one. City were relegated uh, that year from the Premier League. Uh, in the running, Spurs came to Main Road and beat City one nil. Uh, City took the lead in that game, but it was ruled out when Sol Campbell fouled his own goalkeeper, Ian Walker, and Darren Huckerby popped it into the empty net at the back post. From that free kick, I'm sure it's from that free kick, Sergei Rebrov went down the other end and, 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 and won it undeservedly. Um, there's a little bit of brief respite with the FA Cup comeback in 2004 with that 4-3 replay at, at White Hart Lane, but boy, does it feel like City have been paying for it since. Because the rest of the noughties somehow... Every single goal that Spurs scored in 2-1 wins against City was scored by Robbie Keane and Jermaine Defoe. I don't understand. Like mo- They didn't play for Spurs for some of that spell, and they still managed to, to score them. Um, <laughs> you get to the 2010, uh, 2009-10 season, and it's uh, the UEFA Champions League uh, battle towards the end of the season. Comes down again to City versus Spurs at the Etihad this time. Uh, Crouch getting that, that that goal that I think every City fan remembers when uh, watching all the Spurs players celebrate the full-time whistle when they'd got into the Champions League and we could only finish fifth. Um, a little bit of brief respite again in, in 11-12 when Mancini's team does the double over Spurs uh, and it was, like a man, it was like a precursor to Mancini's title. But it, again, it's quickly all downhill again after that because um, the next season, City are great at White Hart Lane. They go 1-0 up, but suddenly it's 3-1 down and with 10 minutes to go. And it's that one was the precursor to Mancini's sacking, the exact reason why you know he, he, he didn't keep his job the uh, the, the following season with, uh, with results like that. Um, Pellegrini comes in. Again, more like it, 6-0 at, uh, at the Etihad, 5-1 at, at White Hart Lane. But again, by the end of his reign, it's just it's just the same old story against Tottenham. Um but I mean that final season, fifteen sixteen. I think you might have been covering City by the time this this yeah. this happened. Um, but there was, there was that game at White Hart Lane again. City took the lead, and then it was a string of bad decisions that that went against them. I remember Kyle Walker being about three yards offside for the equaliser, and it just being ignored. Um, I think Harry Kane was offside for two of the goals that he scored, but he finished 4-1 at White Hart Lane. And then the reverse game at the Etihad, City really needed to win to get back into any sort of title picture. And uh, they lost because of a, of a penalty given against Raheem Sterling, where the ball he was given as, as handball, and it struck him on the base of the spine. And it, like, it's never oh, yeah, been, I remember that. Yeah, never been anywhere near his hand. So then that... The um, agenda. Yeah, that happened. Um, 2016 comes along. They were the first team to beat Pep Guardiola City. I mean, to be fair to them, they were quite good that day, so we'll give them that. Um, and then you get to 2019 with the VAR stuff, the the Laurente handball and the, the Sterling offside and where you think you've won it and you've not and then it all comes crashing down at the end. Yeah, nothing's going to top that. Uh, they, but then a, a kind of... Um, a few months later, they get to they, they come back to the Etihad and, it, and City think they've won it at the death again. VAR handball against Laporte. The the XG nonsense that then happened that season with the Spurs scored four with a total XG of like 0.3 or something like that compared to compared to City's eight and they and and just like it just it, it's time and again after Spurs. Um, so Sam, I, I just in a nutshell, that's why I was a bit pissed off on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Um- so I always I always like to think, you know, you can just look at so okay, let, let's just say a new manager comes in or whatever. Let's say we've had that and it's been Pep, that new manager. And obviously City now play in a way that's much better kind of aesthetically and kind of in terms of actual concrete achievements as well, you know, that they, they win more than they ever have, you know, they're just a better team now. So you think 
Well, all of those kind of things that that happened, you know, police horses on the pitch at Main Road or whatever, it, it's no relevance at all to no, the modern day. No, it's not. Day. Uh, yeah. So this is what I mean. Like, you'd, no relevance at all whatsoever. Shouldn't That shouldn't be an issue. Well, you the, know, the, the thing is... City from, will be great. They'll beat from, Spurs. But sometimes in football, you kind of got to just admit that there's, there's just kind of a, a bigger... There's a higher there's power a thing. thing. There's there, no logic. There? Yeah. yeah, there's no logic, seemingly. Because, because I, what, I, what I don't get about it is that in all of this time, City have changed, obviously they've changed players because we're talking over decades. Uh, they've changed managers, they've changed uh, kit manufacturers, they've changed owners, they've changed chairman, they've changed stadium, they've changed pitch. Like They've changed Badge. everything. Badge, yeah. yeah, everything. And yet still here it, here it persists. Yeah, and so so I was trying to think, so before the game, Obviously, a lot of City fans were like, oh, they've lost three in a row. That's not good. And obviously, Pep said the same thing. So there's obviously footballing reasons for that as well as kind of um, superstitious reasons. And obviously, you've got the added, you know, baked in Spurs juju that, you know, City fans are obviously fully aware of for years now. But I was kind of thinking before the game, like, okay, so they've got this good record largely at the new stadium. But then you think, well, City, when they went there for the Champions League, you know, they, City wanted a tight game. They didn't expect to create many chances, missed a penalty. Yeah, it was it was the one game in that running with leeway and Guardiola used the leeway, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't need to go over that again. But yeah, and but then even in the game since, so the the most recent one was the one at the start of the season, which I will still die on the hill of, you know, doesn't really matter. That wasn't yeah, they, the best they were, they were undercooked, yeah. And then the, t- the two in the middle of that were basically the same season. You know, nineteen twenty struggles, when, and then they spilled over into the start of last season, didn't they? Yeah. And so that was so. So they played City. They kind of either had, I don't want to say luck on their side, and we'll come back to this later because I'm building towards it. I don't want to say they had luck on their side, but they did definitely play City the last three times in North London when it wasn't the best City. It was the right that, that old football adage: the right time to play them. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So that definitely helped. And then I was also thinking, well, last season, when when they came to the Etihad, City just won 3-0. And it was really easy. And I was thinking, it, it, it could well be that again. Um, but then you think, you throw in all the VAR madness from the Champions League, which will never be topped, I don't think, in terms of just like drama and, and heartbreak, because VAR was brand new. I don't, th- and I don't Nobody in the, in the history of football had had a winning goal like that scrubbed yeah. off. It hadn't happened, and it won't happen again. Mate, I, it, I, 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 you know what I'm like, and you know how generally mild-mannered I am. I punched a coffee table that night. <laughs> okay. Like it's like that, yeah. that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fucking grim. But I mean, even then, in terms of like the the like the issues with Spurs, you know, there was the massive game a few days later. You imagine how the players felt, and then they went and beat Spurs in the huge game in the title. So you know, the wins are there. But then you think, so the VAR madness is there. And then the VAR madness was the start of the next season as well, with obviously the late winner that was ruled out. And you think, surely not. But then you think, so there's a bit of bad luck in terms of City not playing well. There's VAR madness, which you can't really legislate for. And then you get to Saturday. And then you think, but City are playing brilliantly. This is like as possibly as good a City as you're ever going to get or have had so far. Yeah. They played bad, but they did play badly. And there was VAR madness. And it was just chaos. And you just think, regardless of all these different factors, good time to play City, you know, pre-season, unlucky with missing penalties, VAR madness, or VAR wrong decisions, or you know, whatever. Because I think that Lorente handball was shouldn't have really counted. Um, it's just, whatever happens comes back to 
it's losing. Just, and it's and you you can't really explain it, but there is one thread to it, and this is why they're not not lucky. You know, like I say, they they have they have played City at a good time, but when it comes to like Saturday, for example, what it's really identifiable what the issue is or why City haven't been able to beat them. And we've talked about this a million times before, whether we've talked about playing United and his relative struggles. Well, let's say struggles against Solskjaer's United in particular. Yeah, yeah. Like there was no reason for that. Apart from, and it's a bit like, like playing PSG, playing United, playing Spurs is horrible because anybody can play City and dig in and play on the counter. But if you haven't got great players, great individuals, it's only going to get you so far. You know, your concentration yeah. might go and you, and you, you know, you make a mistake that leads to a goal and then City get a few more. Yeah. But you, you know, Diaz is just going to tackle you. Walker's yeah. just going to chase. To be fair, Walker's going to chase anybody back. But you're not going to be able to ex- exploit those problems on the break. Yeah, but when there, you've not just those got games fast against players, teams like Crystal Palace and uh, and Southampton, and there's a reason I've said those two, um, because where the opposition, if they get something out of the game, their performance has to be damn near perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and like it looks, hmm, and I want to say it looks difficult. Whereas Spurs at the weekend looked fairly comfortable, looked like they were loving life, and I think that's it. And it, like the problem is, you go, why? Why is City struggling against Spurs who aren't at their level? Why is City struggling against United who aren't at their level? But it's because in those games, they're happy to to be the underdog and sit back and defend with you know high quality players, expensive players, with a coach that can at least say, well, you fill these holes, and then will play on the break. But then when you've got players like, okay, some of these players might not be in great form at the moment, but over the years, let's say, we've talked about it before, Rashford, Martial, Fernandez, Lucas, Kane, Son, obviously Neymar, Mbappe, Messi. If they're the ones playing on the break, you, you're in big trouble. Yeah. And maybe there's some kind of luck element involved in terms of what Spurs had like four shots and scored three goals or whatever it was. And the other, the other one that Kane had was that great save by Edison. But when you when you are able to create such good chances, then the look element kind of goes out of it, really. And I think that's been the thread to all these these recent games. Um, but then, obviously, there's just been, I, I think, just bad luck can come into it. But the thing about Saturday was, you say bad luck comes into it, but City got the third goal overruled. <laughs> Which no, I don't think anybody expected. I mean, he was. I'm sure people did actually think he was offside, but I, I didn't spot it. I didn't so when spot that third it, yeah. goal got ruled out, you think, "Well, okay, that's a proper lifeline." And that was, you know, that is the kind of new VAR element of the energies back in the stadium. You know, it's a boost to the team on the end of that. The other team's gutted, and then obviously the penalty on VAR, which was the right decision completely. But you get a penalty VAR in the last minute, and I mean, look, it, it doesn't really matter in the end. But Mario's penalty was fucking outstanding. Yeah. Like the, pre- the, the pressure, pressure on, on I'm that not kick, saying, yeah. I'm not saying it's Champions League final pressure, but I saw a tweet recently about there's like a correlation between how quickly you take your penalty and how successful you are. Like if you're basically begging the referee to blow his whistle and then you, you take the penalty as quickly as possible, you're not very composed, are you? You're waiting yeah. for it to go. And he blew the whistle and Mahrez just stood there for about it maybe two or three age. seconds. Yeah, but it, it felt, felt like, like an, an age, age because of the circumstances. And then the little run-up and then, like, basically roof of the net. Unbelievable. But then all of that, and then... So I tweeted, like, a jokey thing. 
the people who urge Carl Walker to shoot from 35 yards out, especially in a game like Saturday when, you know, the ball is precious. Don't waste it. Don't give them a goal kick. You know, don't don't give them a throw in. Don't fucking yeah. even give them an opportunity to, to to do anything, to stop the game in any way. I don't even go near them. But it was like, don't urge Carl Walker to shoot from 35 yards. And if he does, you should be thrown out of the ground. Obviously, it's a joke. I, I'd actually written out the tweet when Walker gave the ball away in like the 96th minute. I was like, if Spurs score from this, Walker should be ejected from the ground. I didn't tweet it in the end because the, the ball had gone over the other side and I thought yeah. they kind of delayed the attack enough. But obviously, lo and behold, they hadn't. Um, but it just it was just really, really uncharacteristic stuff from City. And I tweeted this as well. Like, How many podcasts have we done when City have lost? And I've come on and I've, like, I've been like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, whether it's the first game of the season against Spurs or Community Shield or even, you know, the FA Cup semi-final last season, where I didn't say it didn't matter, but I got the circumstances and everyone was yeah. pissed off with the team selection. But I was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you need to make those changes for blah, 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 blah. And I'll come on here and I'll be like, look, it's not that big a deal. And this, I don't think this game in itself is that big a deal in terms of throwing forward. I'm not too worried now about the title race. I'm not worried about, oh, what about this? What about that? I know a lot of people are and maybe they're right to be, but I'm not. But the performance, itself in terms of the individual and collective failings for the goals are just so unlike City yeah. I was well, speaking they, to Nadam about it on the way home and he was kind of running through and you think this is the kind of analysis we'd talk about you know if, if we're if we're talking about City pulling apart United and you know this is a team that should be doing better but you know we know United can be a bit of shambles at times so they go oh you know Maguire should have done this and you know one Basaka was doing this and you think okay well that's that's fine but like the way it was okay Cancelo didn't track Kane for their goal and he should have Cancelo you know didn't like, he was in, happy to invite crosses and okay if you're going to invite crosses that could be a tactic because if you if you go out and engage them you can leave spaces in behind you know how Myers and Bernardo exploit that space yeah. in behind on the right all the time so you can invite crosses but then Nadan was explaining how you know City weren't touch tight in the middle and like some of it, so for Kane's winning goal, Matt Lucas had made a run off Walker, I think, and then Diaz had got attracted to him kind of instinctively, and I think fair enough, you know, you go with that threat. But then as soon as he'd been attracted away from Kane, it was the combination of two good players, Lucas and Kane. They combined really well to get that separation from their markers. And obviously Kane then had the... Yeah, the jump on Walker. The jump on Walker, who'd already given the ball away. So there's all of these issues. And like the first one, and the mad thing is... I wrote the article recently about Diaz being like super aggressive. And, you know, if if a player gets the ball played up to them, then he's either going to win the ball off them or nudge them so they can't get it accurately or he's just going to foul them. But, you know, that striker is not going to be able to get the ball away cleanly. But how many times was Kane able to do it? Yeah. And I think the issue was, again, benefiting from, from Nadam's knowledge here. And the, the link I made was with the Champions League final. So if you remember the Champions League final goal, Walker, for a split second, Oh, he, he, he didn't know what, pressed, he, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't know yeah. what to do. And he thought, oh shit, I need to go there. But it was already too late. And once he'd gone and was too late, everybody went across. And it was a domino effect, which ended up, but you know, people say Sinchenko ball watching or whatever. But Walker went across, Diaz went across, Stones went across. It was all it was all wrong because there was that split second of, I need to do this. I haven't done it, but I'm going to go and do it now. So kind of didn't go with Kane initially, but then kind of went anyway. And Diaz, despite not being close enough to Son, was like, well, I'm going to push up anyway. And it's like, you've, you're kind of applying that aggression, but without being close enough. So you're, you're just chasing shadows, basically. And that's why Son was so clearly onside for the first goal. Um, 
I can't. Oh yeah, the, the second one. Yeah, Cancelo just didn't just didn't track him back. There was also yeah. the kind of weak header initially from Walker tracking back and you know flicked it. And, you know, not you're not going to hammer him for that. But it was just individual and collective errors where you know in, inviting crosses but not being tight enough to to mark the guys in the box and stuff. It's it's just really unusual for City to do. And yeah, I'm, yeah the point being, they, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this wasn't too bad and this wasn't too bad because. They really should have done better. And like I say, the overall point of, of equalising and, you know, possibly being in, in a position to push for a winner um, and get Spurs back for everything, but then lose anyway. Just unbelievable. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I know the difference between in, in that game. I know the difference between getting one point and getting zero points is actually is is largely negligible. It doesn't it it still feels bad in the in the kind of entire title race. But the way the game had gone, if you equalise in the last minute in that game, you don't lose it. It's just yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 criminal to have gone on and because uh, what was the penalty? Ninety second minute or something of seven. Probably so by the that, time it was by the yeah, time it was so taken. there was still plenty of time left in that game. It was like don't lose your head. Don't do anything daft. You've, 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 you've been you doing know, that you, all game. Yeah, you know you've not been playing well, so just don't lose the game. And yeah. So at halftime, I was thinking well, this threat on the counter attack. It hasn't actually, hasn't actually transpired since there was that time when Son ran in, but Walker just ran back with him, took the ball off him, and then you think it's just like that Southampton game where everyone thinks there's a threat on the counter attack, and it's kind of there, but it's not actually happening. So at halftime, I was like, they're controlling this pretty well. And they're not, you know, they're not creating a hatful of chances. And obviously the goal City did score, the first equaliser, was a mistake from Lloris. But you kind of think, I'm happy enough with how this game's going. And in terms of, look, you're always going to have that point of the game where City are going to have the ball. You know, you can't say, oh, well, City, fair play, they had the ball because you know, Spurs were happy to, to let them have yeah. it. So it wasn't perfect. And, you know, Guardiola said, you know, whenever we went outside, whenever we were inside, in terms of like those half, you know, half spaces, the, the the inner channels, you know, the number ten position, they ended up having to go back outside. So that's why they were putting the crosses into the box. And so I noticed after the game that I think the most open play crosses that any team have made this season was City against Southampton. Um, and then that was thirty nine, and then City made thirty four against Spurs. So, you know, a bit of a similarity there, but it's the it's, usual thing. It's almost thing like of, that plan B thing again, isn't it? Where Yeah, it is. But like but like the the obvious reason for that is you're playing against a team with a back five and if they're very well disciplined. We talked about how well Southampton played, so we don't need to go over that again. And obviously Spurs were very good at doing what they did in terms of packing the defence. So if you don't get that breakthrough early on, you know, by scoring from a set piece 
or you know you don't get a penalty early or you just you know some some good play or you score from outside the box if you don't get that breakthrough it's going to be hard and it, and it was hard um there was a bit of bad luck and touching on the xg thing i think city got more but to be fair Look, I, I am a big fan of XG, and I saw people kind of complaining about it recently, and I was like, no, no, you just don't get it. And maybe I still don't get it to this extent, but I would still say that Spurs had the better chances in that game anyway. Yeah, I and know. If you're, yeah. if, if you're adding up kind it's of... Not, it's not the 2019-20 like XG, out, is it? Yeah. As an accumulation. Yeah, exactly. Like, there was that Spurs game when Bergvine scored. You know, it was like his debut or something. Yeah. But City had created, and this was nineteen twenty, so City weren't... Generally, there was a lot of games where City weren't creating chances. It was just yeah. crosses into the box, and it was a bit crap. But they, but they missed two were goals creating in that a lot. Game. Yeah, they were getting. Yeah, they, yeah, there was a penalty miss, and that that was unlucky. That was the kind of XG thing. How, how they lost that? But the one at the weekend, just think the chances Spurs had. Fair enough, really. Um, and City didn't create a great a great deal. So yeah, at half time, I was thinking this is this is kind of going well, but it was the, the kind of just individual that snowballed into collective failings. Basically, just for those for those goals for those moves like city did kind of yeah they controlled it well enough but the minute they didn't control it you know they had no luck it was shambles yeah. oh hell you know because i suppose that's where the kind of element of of luck and again spurs weren't lucky but that element of luck comes into it like sometimes if you don't control it brilliantly but you know kane misses the chance and he did that once with the edison great saves um but it just wasn't that day kane was phenomenal really yeah there's i mean i i want to i want to kind of dig into that a little bit more because um i was i was alarmed by the performance that city put in um largely because i'd like largely because of the way that i thought spurs approached the game um and i know you said earlier about having quality players to break away um but i didn't think that spurs did anything extraordinary or particularly tactically clever to try and stop city in that game which which is something that i felt like both palace and southampton did and they they came to the etihad yeah. in a, in a way that that made me go well, well you know fair play to them they they've done this really really well um spurs i felt i i felt if city had played to the best of their ability they were there for the taking and i don't think i and i think that's what worried me um there for the taking. I didn't. I didn't think. Well, I, I don't mean that. I, I mean that that Spurs performance that was there that uh, that they put in and the way that they that that they approached the game. If City had if City had done everything that they normally do, I think nine times out of ten, City win the game. I don't think. Uh, where, yeah, whereas, yeah. Whereas so if they with, defended with, those situations well. well yeah. Where, whereas equally without. Um, with that same situation with Palace and Southampton, for instance, I think City struggled in that in the, by playing the way they normally do. I didn't think City were particularly at fault in those two games. Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Like in terms of Spurs not doing anything, yeah, especially creative or or, or brave, shall we say? It yeah. was just put everyone in the box. This is what I mean. Like this is the danger of these teams when you've got great individual quality, but you're willing to to just sit back and pack the box and play on the break. It's incredibly dangerous. Um, and I mean, maybe that helps explain some of City's problems in the Champions League, but that's a problem. You know, that's a, that's an idea we can come back to in the future. Um, because if you're playing <laughs> top sides... <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're playing top sides who are just happy to to play that way, then then fine. And yeah, you know, Southampton had their plan and they were much higher up the pitch and they made it really difficult. So this is the thing. So they made it really difficult for City to play out. And if you think of Palace and their first goal and even the red card, they made it really difficult for City to play out, but Spurs didn't. Um, so, you know, there was there was loose passing, 
and I think, you know, in a lot of these games, Southampton and Palace, if City are sloppy, it's because they're made to be sloppy because yeah. the ball goes into Fernandinho, yeah. but he's got two men converging on him and he's trying to he's trying to bang the ball out to Walker, but Walker's got somebody on him. And all of a sudden, you know, it's going out of play. Walker's miscontrolling it. It's because that's because of pressure. Yeah, that's, it. that's, exactly, day, that's what just, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, they were just sloppy, City. They were rushing. I think, may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was the pressure of, you know, once he goes into midfield, Ben Sanker is going to be on you. You know, or, or something like that. But there was the amount of times before halftime in particular, it seems to have happened four or five times in the space of a couple of minutes. City would like turn the ball over in a dangerous position when, you know, Spurs are kind of out of their positions, out of their block. And, you know, there's a bit of space to exploit. But they try and make, not even the killer pass, just to, just maybe it'll be like Rodri who didn't play well, but like nobody did really. And maybe it'll just be Rodri trying to get the ball to De Bruyne to make the killer pass. He didn't even get it to De Bruyne. And yeah. you just think, fuck. So I remember like Spurs' time wasting was awful. Like it was really fucking annoying. And you know, I've I've been in stadiums before when, like the Palace game, everyone was livid at the ref and there was a bit of time wasting, but it was like, look, the ref, the ref's performance is not that bad. Yeah, the ref has been fine. It's pretty, but, okay. it's pretty normal level of time wasting. I get it. But yeah. the other day, and like I wasn't again. This I wasn't saying the ref was poor the other day, but like the time wasting was fucking atrocious. But there was one just before half time, and I was like, City actually do need this to just to calm down a bit, just to kind of get their heads straight. And again, going into half time after they'd made those those like sloppy passes, I was thinking, well, just you know, Guardiola would be like, look. Do this, do this, do this. Pass the ball here, 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 in it. And I, yeah, I thought it would be all right, but obviously, in the end, it was not. Yeah, yeah. The I, I was going to come on to the misplaced passes because it, it just felt. I, I, I tweeted at um, about forty minutes that I thought like Guardiola's halftime team talk might just be just pass it to people in the same t-shirt in that way yeah. that he said after the uh, I can't remember after which game it was, but game, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but because it just felt like, like that's what they weren't yeah, doing. Exactly. There, was, there was a couple just of times, them yeah, just to take just take a breath do your usual thing don't rush it yeah yeah and there was i mean there was there was a couple of incidents i remember um because cancelo was on the uh left in front of me uh for the first half uh, there was a, there was there was a couple of times where he just passed it straight out of play for a goal kick at the other end because the, the through ball that he was trying that he would normally pull off just like it was overhit or something like that. and it just felt yeah, it felt Lepone like something was wrong in the first half yeah. <laughs> it was just like three times the speed it should have been played at yeah oh, in fact it was I'm 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 misremembering I'm uh, I'm blaming Cancelo for something he's not done it was Cancelo trying to get on the end of that Laporte pass so oh, right. uh, okay, yeah. yeah um I, I don't want to pick on anyone Sam because I did think they were all bad uh, but yeah, it, it, is is there a, is there a particular reason why uh, Laporte seems to save his bad games for Spurs uh well I mean if we talk about the the thread being um, from from these Spurs games and you know United games, PSG games, or whatever. Obviously, PSG haven't got great results, but why PSG are a difficult opponent? Um, you've just got really good players running at you when you're exposed. So I'm guessing is that yeah. Like obviously, not all of not all of Laporte's mistakes will be. You know, it's the classic Otamendi thing of oh god, he's been exposed, he's going to go to ground, and he's, he's missed it. It's not. It's not all of that, but just maybe it's that drip, drip, drip of God. I'm in a game here. You know, this isn't what I normally like to do. And you know, yeah. but I mean, he's, this isn't like he's some mug who doesn't like defending. You know, Laporte is very good, and I think people have been talking recently about about how well he's been playing. You know, how well he played against against Chelsea, and talking about sitting on the you know teams sitting in and having great players on the break. I mean, they, it didn't work particularly well on the day for Chelsea in terms of how they did it. And I suppose maybe then 
you look at that and it gives Spurs a bit more credit for what they did actually do. Um, but, you know, Laporte played really well against Chelsea in one of those types of games. But, yeah, I would say rather than coincidence or rather than any kind of football cosmic energy, probably just the type the types of game that I it is. And, yeah. and again, did he, he had a, a poor game against Lyon, very similar. You know, sit in, play on the break, those kind of things. But, I mean, for... The, again, not picking on, on anyone in particular. We'll go through some of the talking points from the game. But that goal that was ruled out, Edison, do yourself a favour, fucking yeah. hell. Like, obviously, he did a great save. I think it was after that. Maybe it was before, actually, to deny Kane the one-on-one. But with those ones where you just think, oh, that's... I, I, I'm, I'm no expert enough on goalkeeping to... Um, <laughs> me, me neither, to, it's all right. <laughs> to, na- to, nail it, to nail it down to one particular thing. But it seems like there, there's a f- there are a few of those with Edison. And maybe he just can't get down quickly enough. Because I, I, I think it's... For Amo, his size. I know he lost a load of like weight and, and like bulked up in, in in a good way in lockdown and kind of got, got lean. Yeah, I don't know um, if it's I don't know if it's footwork because the, the, the third goal I did think um, I, I've I've seen it a few times from various camera angles and I can't decide if the ball goes close enough to him to to have made an effort for it. But it's it's one of those where he moves in a way you know you know not where that goalkeepers do when it's like it's flying into the top corner. It's like I'm just not getting there. Hmm. I can't tell yeah. if it's because it's from so close that it just kind of flashes past him, or if it's yeah, just I, like if I'd he doesn't use his feet so. quickly enough, or anything like that. So yeah. I, it's really hard. I've 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 not been convinced by uh, the arguments that Edison should do better, but uh, equally I am open to them if that makes sense. Yeah, or let's just say with that one certainly. But like, there's been a f- there's been a few kind of you know. So there's obviously been a bit of should have signed a striker in the summer. Not not as much as I thought, but a bit of that. Um, but there's there's been quite a lot of. And I'm I'm hesitant to say I'm not having it because, like I say, it might get to six months down the line and I go, oh, actually, they were right. But there's been a lot of, oh, well, this is proof that it should be Diaz and Stones rather than Diaz and Laporte. It's the, like, I've not I've not actually done the maths, but Diaz and Laporte played a lot of games this season and been absolutely fine. Yeah. Like, can it be that? Can it be that simple? Again, maybe it is. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's something I've not noticed. And but it's just one of those when. Well, let, you know, let, like if Sterling has another part game, it's like, oh, Sterling's shit. It's like, oh, that's an overreaction. I'm like, Diaz and Laporte, is, is that is that the issue? I mean, they weren't great on the day. We've talked about that. But, but flip it, flip it on its head. Push? If you if you take Laporte out of that team and put Stones in, does that performance change on Saturday? Wouldn't have thought so. I don't even think Laporte was... I don't think, yeah, I don't think the it was, I, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. I, I don't yeah. think, I, I don't think if you, if you, like, even if John Stones puts in a 10 out of 10 in that game, I think the the systemic failings that were, that were elsewhere in the team still yeah. cause the, the, the same sort of problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, don't, exactly. I, don't, I think you're right. I don't think it is as simple as that. Um, just on the Kane thing as well, because uh, obviously there's, there's been a lot said in the days since, uh, since the game. Um, his goals in that game, I think, don't prove what City missed, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a far more nuanced situation than that. I mean, obviously, if they'd signed him, he wouldn't have been at Spurs to, to score those yeah, goals against Yeah, that's the most City. obvious but, and most like reasonable thing to, to say, isn't it? Yeah. Other than that. But other than that, I mean, if, if City had signed him in the summer, wouldn't he have been doing pretty much the same job as what the False Nines have been doing? Yeah. Um, I mean... I suppose it's it's probably fair to say no. It, it's a glimpse of how City could play, and I want to I want to use that in the sense of in the future, because I'm now so convinced that they're so good with a false nine. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Let's say they get Haaland as well, because Kane can play false nine. I've talked about this before, but part of the reason they wanted him was because they, he can play false nine and drop off, 
and play those passes in behind. I've, I've written, I wrote about it. To be fair, I think it was probably in the how Ronaldo would fit in the City article, which had a shelf life of about forty eight minutes. So I'm not <laughs> sure how many people read it, but it was in that article. I was like, the way he drops off and plays those killer balls in behind into the space he's created would be perfect for City. And obviously, we saw a great example of that with the first goal at the yeah. weekend. But it's like, so him, how he would fit in at City, I don't think is is in question. And what he did show, I suppose, is that you've got the false nine element of dropping off, but you've also got somebody, If and if City are, this is the thing, it was kind of the perfect game for people who have been waiting to say City need a striker. Yeah, because if because, City are going to swing the ball into the box, you've because, got an yeah, example City of someone there the who can finish the box it. Yeah. 34 times from open play plus corners. Like, and people were saying, bring Delap on, and I was like, I could see that. Like I've, you know, Guardiola must have his reasons and I can't work out what they would be. But you think if you're going to bring, it is that late in the day and you are just putting balls into the box, just bring on someone who can head it. So you've got the obvious thing there of, well, if it may as well be Kane, but you've also got, and I tweeted about this and I wrote it in the article, at the start of the season when City were missing the odd chance, you know, the Southampton game, when like Gundogan had a header at the back post, yeah. which wasn't clear cut, but you think if that was so-and-so, they'd have scored it. It was easy to think if City just had any striker, they would score any chance. And that's just not how it works. But again, this is why it was such a perfect storm of a game. Every chance that Kane got, apart from the Edison save, which was a really good save, including the one that was disallowed, he he did make it look like, okay, well, if you just put this guy in in the City team, he's going to score a million goals. (laughs) So that was really unhelpful. But but, I mean, look, you probably can say, to be fair, if they had signed Kane, then it it would obviously work and it would work really well. And maybe it would be an option in games like that. But I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is we haven't been, like we we haven't had to have this conversation for like for three months. months yeah like three months of football where it's not even been an issue having a striker is not is not the thing it's not it's not the thing and I, I think if, if City don't win the league this season I think there's a there's a huge chance that they will but if they don't I don't think it's going to be because they've not scored enough goals there's not been that many games this season where they haven't had a cutting edge yeah like it's, yeah. that's not been the issue. Um, so I, I don't really buy it, but it does kind of serve as a going into next season. Can you know? Can City still be really good despite playing with the false nine for two years so well? Yes, they can. Um, but obviously, with Haaland, it would be more interesting because he doesn't drop off. He's not a great player outside the box. But obviously, the advantages of having him inside the box quite far <laughs> yeah, quite, quite significant, aren't they? Yeah, um, I mean, there's an interesting debate to have. But I mean, let, let's wait and see if they actually get him first before going down that route. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I do want to, you mentioned the title race and the title picture. Um, I do want to ask you to do something for the listeners that you did for me on Saturday night because on Saturday night when my head had completely come yeah, clean off, um, I, uh, I, I made the point that uh, the one thing that worried me is uh, in, in the sense of um, the way you experience things as a football fan. City have never been caught when they've lost the title. They've, all, they've always been out of the title picture pretty early on in the, in, in the race when they've, uh, when they've not won it. You think of the two times um, under Pellegrini where they didn't win the league by February or so they were out of it. Uh, the Mancini uh, title defense, they were they were long gone by. Uh, by I think it must have even been by New Year at that point. Um, the 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 two times Guardiola hasn't won the league, sixteen seventeen, his first season. We knew they weren't going to win the league by the by the time they'd lost that Chelsea game in the December. They were so far off the uh, off the title pace by that stage. Um, and then so then nineteen twenty, the, you know Liverpool were running away with it. So City have never had that situation where they've been out in front and been caught for the title. Yeah. Um, and your takeaway? Tell everyone what your takeaway from that well, was. Well, my, my worry was uh, maybe this is the season where we experience that, and that this is the <laughs> first time that we have to that we have to go through that. They've always been whenever, whenever they've but when they've won a title, they've always been uh, leading from the front and held on to win it, or yeah, they've come exactly. from behind and, and, and caught up to win it. Um, they've never lost it from a leading position. So I, I was, I was like, well, what if, what if this is the season where that happens? And and you know, we're in that. Everything seems fine now, but you know, they play Liverpool shortly. And so, just tell everybody what you said to me. Well, I had to read your message like three times. I was always like, I was like, he's kind of making two different points. I was like, sure, <laughs> surely the like, surely the takeaway from that is when City are out in front, they always win the league. Like what? Why would just like it, it's it's it can only be the football fan pessimism of thinking oh maybe this is a bad thing like yeah it was just surely the the thing you take away from that is the the good omen and not just an omen but the the sign of how City do things is when they are in front they don't get caught you know that that is what I would take away from that and it's yeah like I mean I know I know loads of City fans have been saying even when the gap was like 150 points or whatever it was at Christmas but it was always you know the Liverpool game in hand and you know. Or games in hand, and Liverpool are really good, and you know there's there's difficult games to come or whatever. So I know that's always been the case, but it was a bit panic central on on Saturday evening. Like you'd you'd think you'd think Liverpool were six points clear the way the way people were carrying on, but that's kind of you know that's just football fan kind of um, psyche, I suppose. You'd rather you know, sometimes in a way you'd rather be behind and chasing. Maybe as a fan, because the, the pressure's kind of off, but you've got yeah. that feeling of let's put the pressure on. It's not, it's not especially nice, you know. No, like, nobody remembers twenty eighteen nineteen fondly, do they? Obviously, it was like a great end to the season, but the, the, the ins and outs of the specific emotions going into those games. I think I was in Lisbon last week with some mates, and they were talking about the, like the worst they'd felt at games, and there was you know some games in the nineties that I'd never heard of or whatever they were talking about. But the Leicester game came up, you know, with a company goal. Yeah, I think. I think the maybe not consensus, but a couple of people were like the Leicester game was the worst they'd ever felt. Burnley, and, you know, it's that 
Yeah, Burnley. Yeah, we mentioned Burnley recently, didn't we? Yeah, that Aguero goal and Burnley came up. I remember one lad said he he was playing he was playing football. He was in goal, but he had his phone by the goal, and every time the ball was down the other end, he was checking the score. <laughs> but like, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was it was Mike and Murd. They were saying you know, when when Burnley got like a free kick in like yeah. the ninety third minute to go into the box, it was just like hell. And it's but the yeah, fact, exactly. that, the fact so that, I, that that season as well, Guardiola was taking off a striker and bringing on a centre half when it was one nil. It was like he doesn't yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah. He doesn't do this. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. It was like it, it was mad, and I was, you don't really want to be in that situation. But really, of the two, you you would you would want to be in, in City's posi- position situation. And yeah, I mean, I don't. In terms of like panic and all this kind of stuff, you know, I mentioned the the Southampton crosses and the. And the Spurs crosses, is there any kind of similarities there? You know, playing devil's advocate, is there a kind of, you know, are they are they lost a bit of cutting edge? Um, I don't know. Like, and, and again, you know, on the Q&A and stuff, it was like, oh, there's a Southampton game. Now there's this. I was like, oh, there's three games in between them. Yeah. Brentford, Brentford wasn't pretty, but we've, we've established this season. The City just had to do what they had to do against Brentford to win because they made it horrible to play against. And then they batted Norwich. Okay, it's Norwich. And then they batted Sporting. And now they got Spurs. Like, I don't, I don't. I don't really see much of an issue. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the next time they play five at the back, oh, probably United in a couple of weeks. Actually, they probably weren't will they under Rangnick. But anyway, like okay, United in a couple of weeks. Maybe I don't know. Everton are they going to play three at the back? I doubt it. But maybe when next time they come up against that, we're like, okay, there's a bit of an issue here for whatever reason. And then maybe we talk about should have signed Kane, blah blah blah. But yeah, I don't know. It was just a an unfortunate set of circumstances poor defending ruthlessly exploited move on really yeah. but um you know, so I, again just to run through the kind of things that people were suggesting oh somebody said oh they're complacent after winning five nil i was like you know how often they win five nil and win the next game and it was like yeah but on this occasion i was like no 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 no, no. Like, <laughs> like you can't win five nil that's the same that's like, the same line of thinking as i was as i was like yeah yeah like you can't win five nil once a month and then win the next three games as well and then say, oh, but on this occasion, they took their eye off the ball. Why would you? It can't be that. It can't be. And like people will say, oh, Rodri looks unfit. I know like, he's being played around by people who are really good on the break. This is why he looks shit in his first season. Because he's being played around by not necessarily people who are good on the break, but City weren't very good at stopping it. Like, this is what happens. If you're 20 yards away from the ball and you're chasing it, you're going to look unfit. If you're, if you're a big player, people say about Lukaku, oh, he looks unfit. But, do you know, like the weight kind of targets they have at Chelsea. Yeah. Like, do you think like a difference in even one or two kilos? Would you notice that in a in a tight football shirt? Probably not. Like you're saying, he's like five kilos overweight suddenly. Like no, like it's, yeah. And also this this well, Lukaku debate of he's no, no no one's had fewer touches, and he had like four touches against City or whatever. And it was like, oh, oh, isn't Lukaku shit? I was like, shouldn't they be getting the ball to him anyway? Well, let's let's finish um, with the title picture, Sam, by um, flipping all of that on its head. Because uh, the context, obviously, to the Spurs game that I'm, I kind of that you've been at pains to point out there is that this is City's first defeat in months, and that they're still leading the table. You can't win every game between now and the end of the season, anyway. The same will go for Liverpool. Liverpool, if Liverpool win every game from now to the end of the season and go on to win the title, then fair play to them. That's the thing. Um, it does, I guess, put a little bit more pressure on that Liverpool game coming up, does it? Yeah, coming up, but it's in April, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a while a, away. It's a it's a way away. I mean, I'd imagine that's probably either side of playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League the way these <laughs> things go. But yeah, um, but yeah, um, 
yeah, it's, it's not it's not especially coming up. You know, there's plenty of opportunities to to put things right. And look, I know the other week we ran through the fixes. We were all there. They're you know potentially difficult, but we've also said the City have had all of their difficult fixes out of the way. Really, the toughest games against the top teams are gone, and the only one left is Liverpool. But at least it's at home. And City have been better than Liverpool the last couple of years. Like obviously, last year they, they had a big drop off, but they've been better in the games, in my opinion, anyway. Um, yeah, and and like it's it's that it's that again it's that football fan pessimism, isn't it? Of well, we're we're obviously going to drop points, but Liverpool won't drop any. It's like what? What are you talking about? <laughs> but I mean, but the problem I suppose the problem with that is Liverpool fans do seem to have that unshakable belief that they will win every game, and the City won't. So when you see videos of them like celebrating. Kane's winner as if it's one of their own in a massive game. I think fucking hell. And also the way the media works, and this isn't, I mean, we haven't even touched on the agenda week we've just had. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, I mean, there's some fucking heads come off all over the place there from people who should know better as well, but Christ. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, your thread was exactly right, but, you know, doesn't sell, does it? Um, <laughs> so this isn't even about like an anti-city thing. This is just how the media have worked forever. And it used to wind me up back in my days of being a massive wreck, which reminds me of something else, actually. But it was always like United would win on the Saturday and they go, oh, yeah, title done and dusted then. And then Chelsea would win on the Sunday. And they're like, oh, the title race is back on. They put the pressure on. But what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And it's it's the same kind of thing now where it's like, oh, well, City have got this sewn up, haven't they? And then it's like, oh, have they though? And it's like, well, you were the one saying it was done in the first place. <laughs> Like you can't manufacture this wobble. And again, it's not a city thing. But I suppose the the twist of anti-city agenda is there was a lot of outcry, wasn't there, like six weeks ago, saying they've made it boring. You can't even drop yeah. a couple of points now without the, the title being over. And now City have dropped a couple of points, low and fucking behold. Like anybody with a brain could have told you. That that and, Liverpool, and Liverpool, low and behold, are still really good. Like I don't even know how far Chelsea are back now. I don't think they're in the picture. But obviously Liverpool are. And they, they always were. They always were. The other thing about my United days creeping up then was I always remember, and I don't need to remind you this, but obviously there was that run of games around 2010 where United just scored late winners all the time. And against, I always was it specifically against, against City or against City? Yeah, against yeah. City. Yeah, obviously they fucking scored late winners all the time against everyone, but specifically against City. You know the Skulls header. Yeah, and that was the same season as the Carabao Cup semi final or Carling Cup, and all of that. And I always remember thinking. At some point, City overs won big time here. And obviously there was a 6-1, but it turns out it's just been an absolute decade of shit for United. <laughs> so I'm thinking at some point, Spurs are going to get beaten like 8-0 by City and that'll be the end of it. But that takes us all the way back to the start of the show and me, me putting, putting this into perspective since 1981, mate. There's, there's, <laughs> there, it's been a long time coming, I think. I know. Well, yeah, but I mean, that, I mean, obviously the circumstances are different now. And, you know, Spurs is kind of who do, like lives on despite the fact that City are now the best team in the country, possibly Europe. Um, whereas obviously United's, they were United were overtaken with City's emergence. So it's slightly different. Yeah. But you, you can't, the football gods will not allow, I don't think, they will not allow a run like that to continue. But like I say, City have had big wins in in there that have been important, especially like especially that one. There was a few games after the Champions League, so I don't know. But I do feel like, and I thought it was happening on Saturday, only for the exact opposite to happen. But I thought at some point City will get a late winner from VAR, or you know Kane's goal at the end would have been ruled out, and then City had have gone down the other end. Something like that will happen. Maybe it'll be in about five years, but something like that will happen because you just can't have this amount of kind of heartbreaking. 
and bad luck and VAR or whatever. It just can't be one-sided. That's just not how football works. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. The other thing, I know we've I, been going on well, for a while want, now, but are we doing a, are we doing a Foden? I was going to say, I just want to finish on, on the Foden uh, video because um, uh, obviously the, the video came out over the weekend. Um, there's been a little bit of talk that it might not be from Saturday night, but it seems to be from Saturday night. Um I the only thing I wanted to say about it, really, Sam, is um, you know we I, I spend so much of my um, kind of podcasting life trying to get you know footballers to to be interviewed and to kind of do things for us, and fans love it when you see kind of insight into into footballers' lives and and the the sort of. Um, just just the way that they're living the life and the, the the things they have to say and their experiences all that sort of stuff fans love that closeness and and yet uh the second you could uh, and, and footballers get criticized all the time for being really distant and out of it and yet you can see why because the second they go near the general public that sort of stuff happens yeah it's like this is why we can't have nice things kind of thing. yeah um so yeah um it's just terrible it's just it's just shit and it? it's just a shit thing to happen like you know, in my kind of professional capacity as a as a paid journalist, professional, you know, I, you know, my my tweets on it were like, "This is absolutely disgusting" or whatever. And then, you know, this this video was from Saturday. But the funny thing is, if that video had been old, I would have kind of had to reply saying, oh, "It's an old video," but the point remains, it's disgusting. But yeah. it would have been like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, you didn't know it was from." But like, whatever, whenever it was, and it was this weekend, but whenever it was, doesn't matter when it's it terrible. Was, it? Yeah. Like, just. Just fucking like, and then there was a second video I saw, and it was like some lad standing at the door, and and um, Foden's girlfriend there just saying, "Oh fuck off," and he was just like, "Send him out, fucking send him out," and it was just like, you "Fuck!" Like, so my professional head is is the tweets, but just like my my feeling is just like a normal person with flaws is these fucking these pricks. Like, it would the best thing would have been, and this isn't you know again, oh, fuck it, I'm not a Man City employee, I can't. It doesn't matter. But the best thing would have been if the video had been just Foden like, sparking out all of them. Or like Foden and his old man battering all of them. It would have been great. Just pure comeuppance for dickheads. And that's what it is. Like, just completely out of order. Completely out of order. But I mean, I, I think they're all all right. And, you know, obviously City part of the statement saying, you know, they're, they're they'll, supporting they'll, him. Yeah. they'll support him. I mean, they will, but I don't think it's like a, you know, the situation where Cancelo gets his house broken into, which is completely kind of, Gee, that's a proper head fuck. Like it's completely out there. It doesn't happen. You've not experienced it before. Um, but like this kind of thing, sad to say, is it's not especially new for for Foden and his family. Like I've met his mom. I've spoken to his mom. I, I couldn't say I know her, but um, she she said she said before that in terms of you know because the stories or the story is always you know he's from Stockport, local lad, done good. She does. She said before how you know it's difficult to go out around Stockport because you always get somebody mouthing off or. Yeah. Or you know, trying to start something just because it's like you're the, the big name now, or kind of trying to attach yourself to to them in, in some kind of way. So when I saw it, I just thought that's completely normal. It's just not completely normal, but it's kind of they're used to that. It's not the first time it's happened. They won't be rattled by that. And I, I message, I did message, message his mom yesterday. She no, she, no, she didn't. She wasn't feeling sorry for herself for somebody who'd been punched by a bloke. Like she was just like, it's, it's ridiculous. You can't you can't go anywhere these days. And yeah. but that's kind of. Shouldn't the be way that. it is. You should, yeah, it shouldn't the way be it that is way, for but, them. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But I mean, and, and the other thing, just to kind of link to some of the mad things that, that have been said following the Spurs game, you've got the usual, they just lost, why was he there? Like, no, come on. Like, yeah, no, it works. That. I don't buy that like, And look, Sterling was there. I think Grealish was there. Stones was there. So you've obviously got the England lads, but it's like, 
football is you make plans, you've got the game, and then you go out. So Zach Steffen had a like a charity launch thing for for his um for his charity that's in the US. You schedule these things in and then okay. So the point I was the point I was gonna make is the same. It's completely normal. As as a footballer, you know, it's just having a normal life, isn't it? It's doing normal things. The only thing that's gonna be different is you go to the boxing, you're probably pissed off. You're yeah. not gonna have a great night. But you go because it's better than sitting at home. And I, I asked Nadam this morning. We should have just got him on because everything I've said is basically what he said to me <laughs> on WhatsApp. But I was like, look, it's completely normal, isn't it, for him to go? Like that's that's not that's not an issue, you know, from somebody who is a footballer and knows how these things work. Um and he was like, Yeah, and he goes, It's and I, he was like, the only thing maybe is, you know, it, sorry, going out shouldn't be conditional on on the results. He goes, I also understand people that people fall off the grid after a loss. So the one thing I was thinking was there will be people, footballers, who after they lose, especially for a team like City because they don't lose often, you know, you always hear it. You know, you always hear in footballers' autobiographies, oh, you know, my wife knows not to speak to me for a couple of yeah. days. You go home and you're livid and you lock yourself away. Yeah. So there's that. I went home and or, got in bed, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, you just go out and take your mind off it. And, you know, they're not, they're not, like, they're not even going out and getting wasted. But even if they were, you know, people don't like the fact that footballers go, look, we've talked about this before with, with Foden and Grealish. City players, like all players, have enjoyed a drink for a good few years now, and it has not had any impact whatsoever on the trophies they've won. Like they've been a great team for years. So when I say the players like to go out and have a good time, and there's no videos or photos of them taken because there's not allowed to be, like, but they go out and you don't hear about it. It happens, and it's not a problem. It doesn't matter. So even if they'd gone out and got wasted afterwards, it's your kind of way of dealing with a game. If you've got two days off because the game's you know next week, fine. Whatever, not an issue. But that wasn't even the case anyway. They went out. They had a you know prior booking. You go to it. You take your mind off life for a bit. But what Nadim said about those who go home and you know they lock themselves away for two days, he said it's kind of a young player trait. You either you either are really affected by it or you want to be seen to be really affected by it. But generally, as you grow up and you mature, you've just got you've got to live your life. Yeah, you've got to get on with it. You've you've got you've got to get on with you got to get on with it. And look, they wouldn't have been they wouldn't have had the best night of their lives. It's just a fact because they care. But you know you've got to go out, and again nobody, and Foden hasn't even done anything wrong. Like Foden was kind of harassed and abused, and his family were attacked. Like that's the only reason people even kind of know about it, I suppose, or making such a big deal about it. But yeah, so we've got the two parts of that conversation there. The first one is disgraceful what happened, the people who did it in knobheads. The second part of it is our footballers can just live their lives. Yeah, right. Like that simple as that. There we go. Yeah, and that's the end for this week's episode of Why Always Us. So uh, thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, it turns out there was a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for the special price of just £1 a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. The Athletic.